You're in the boardroom throwing a tantrum. No way, I cannot, I cannot. How? Look at me. Just look at me. And you went to the big, beautiful suit. Oversize. Or fitting. And you're expecting that today I'm going to get a job. I will sign a contract. It's 10 million. And only for you to get 300,000 in the contract. And the Lord reminds you. For who has despised the days of small beginnings? You don't even know that God is testing your heart. Will you be humble enough to obey the instruction? Will you be humble enough and say, Okay, Lord, I know I don't fit in this salary, but because I asked you in prayer, I will take this job in faith. So Haman threw, Naaman threw a tantrum. And he knew he was a general. How can a general go and dip himself in dirty water of the river Jordan? How can I do that? I am a general. How can I do that? How can I fix myself in water? Dirty water. And I know you are saying, how can I strip so low? And then you carry this contract and say, let me think about it. Then you go and take it to your friends. You take it to your prayer partners. Then they say, far be it from you. No way. How can God answer you like that? That's reproach. Then you begin to cancel out in prayer. You begin to cancel the miracle that God has sent to test your heart. You begin to pray. No way I cancel this in the name of Jesus. This, this is a downgrade. It's a downgrade. These are demons of retrogression. How can I move from 8 million to 300,000? And the Spirit of God is watching. Then you and your people, you even take out a fast. You are, you are praying for the HR. You write down the name of the HR, put it in the middle. Then you begin to circle it in prayer. And you're praying and you're saying, Lord, this must change. For the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. I didn't ask for 300,000. But you forget that two days ago, you were on your knees. And you are seeking the Lord. And the Lord brought you a little job. In your eyes, it's small. In your eyes, it's small. But in the eyes of God, it's a seed. And the Lord only wants you to pass the test of obedience. Will you pass the test of obedience or will you fail it? So Naaman was angry. But I want you to follow the story carefully. So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came. Who came? It was not even the people who were his peers. It was his servants that came. It was the list of the people. Those that worked for him. And the servant came and spoke to him and said, My father, my father. If the prophet had told you to do something great. Would you not have done it? How much more than when he says you go and wash and be clean? Three stages. You go, you wash, you be clean. 
May God give you the people who will give you counsel that comes from the ear of the Spirit of God. May God not surround you with a bunch of prayer warriors who come and disorganize your spiritual life. May God take away all those guys who claim they see and hear from the Spirit and they hear miss. May God take away all those religious guys who come and cloud your judgment and suffocate the voice of the Spirit of God speaking to you. But the servant said, if the prophet had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? He said, but he has only asked you to go and wash yourself and be clean. And the Bible says, but Naaman hearkened to the voice of the servant. And what happened? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Your miracle is in obedience. Your next breakthrough is dependent on how well you obey the Lord. Naaman was angry. You could be right to be angry looking at your status. You could be right to get angry looking at your position. You could be right to get angry. You could be right to get angry Looking at where you are in life and what you have, you're right to get angry. But get angry, but obey. Get upset, but obey. Naaman left justified in the eyes of God. Why? Because Naaman got angry. But Naaman obeyed the Lord. It had nothing to do with Elisha. But everything to do with the Lord. Elisha was but only a servant. But there is a God behind Elisha. There was a God behind Elisha. If he had disobeyed Elisha, he was disobeying the voice of the Lord God Almighty. He was not disobeying man, but God. He was not disobeying man, but God. So child of God, you are justified to get angry. It is human to get angry and frustrated when we don't get the things that we expected to get. It is justifiable. It is justifiable. But however angry you may get, obey the Lord. Obey. Obey that still small voice of the Spirit of God speaking to you in your heart. Obey. Your life depends on it. Your miracles depend on it. Your destiny depends on it. And I will tell you a secret tonight. If you ever hear the voice of the Lord and He's given you an instruction, never double check the instruction that you have gotten yourself 
passionately from God, do not double check that instruction with any man alive. I used to be in the habit of the Lord talking to me. The Holy Spirit would speak to me. And I was so certain it was the Spirit of God who spoke to me. And then I would get out and I would go to somebody. And I'm checking and I'm saying, could this be from the Lord? And I'm checking and looking for somebody's opinion. One day the Lord spoke to me while I was double checking him with somebody else. And the Lord said to me that do not double check my word with man. But check man's word with me. If God speaks to you and you know that it's God who has spoken to you, why must you go and check with another man? Why must you consult with man when God in heaven spoke to you alone? Because the more you consult with man, the more Satan moves you away from obeying the voice of the Lord your God. The more you double check that word, the more you double check that word, the more likely you are to disobey. And the more that blessing and that miracle will strip away from your hands. And John 14, 15, Jesus said that if you love me, he says if you love me, obey. It says if you love me, obey. Let me tell you, the life of a real Christian, a born again, is a life of complete obedience. It's a life of total and absolute, absolute obedience. Absolute obedience. I know that every one of us has had encounters of disobedience with God. We all have experiences not with obedience but with disobedience. And you hear that small still voice telling you do not get into the taxi. Wait for another one. Then you get into the taxi and the taxi crashes. Then you say, oh, something told me. Something. Now something told me not to go. But I, anyway, I went how about you say, I disobeyed the Holy Spirit. And until we have learned to obey the Lord, we cannot get close to the Lord as we expect to get to him. The Lord was not done with Abram. The Lord gives Abram only one son, the son of the promise. And this same God shows up and says to him, Abram, he says, yes, my Lord, I would like you to take that son, the only son that you have, Isaac, not Ishmael, Isaac, not Ishmael, Isaac, not Ishmael, Isaac. And he said to him, and I would like you to go and sacrifice this son to me on a mountain I will show you. Now you have waited. God made the promise to Abram of a child when he was 75. The child comes when Abram is 100, Sarah is 90. Now this is the child of the promise. And then this is the same God showing up to you. And this God is telling you that you go and sacrifice this child. The Bible does not mention anywhere that Abraham questioned the instruction of God. Abraham, very early in the morning, he got up 
God is son, God is servant, and said, we're going to the mountain to pray. Let me tell you what that man of God did. He did not even ask Sarah. He didn't even inform her. Child of God, if an instruction comes to you from God, keep your wife out of it. If an instruction comes from the mouth of God, keep your husband out of it. If an instruction has come to you from God and it says, leave your family, leave your country, leave your people, keep your family out of it. Because the more you keep your family in God's business with you, you bring them problems. Abraham did not even speak about it. He didn't even tell Sarah. When Sarah asked, he simply said, we're going to pray, we're going to pray, yeah. He didn't even tell Isaac that I'm going to kill you. He just said, we're going to sacrifice, let's go. And when they get up on the mountain, he tells the other servants, stay here. Me and my son Isaac, we will go up to the mountain of the Lord and we will sacrifice. Look at that kind of obedience. And they get on the mountain. And the boy asks him. says, but Papa. We have got the wood. We have the fire. But where is the sacrifice? And Abraham responds and says. Oh, don't you worry, my son. The Lord will provide it. But he knew in his heart. He knew in his heart that this man here standing next to me is the sacrifice. But Abraham knew beyond reasonable doubt that if God could give me a son when I'm a hundred, if I kill this boy, he'll give me ten sons more. Abraham knew who held the power of life and death. And he knew I would rather obey the Lord than keep this boy. Because before I didn't have him, now, now that God has blessed me with him, I will give him back to the Lord as a sacrifice. They get up on the mountain. I have no idea how we convinced the son. But all we know is that Isaac was on the altar, tied up with wood around him. God was waiting. God did not speak again. After God gave the first instruction, the Lord Almighty did not speak again. God was waiting up to the last moment. Will he or will he not? But because Abram did not speak to his wife about it, he did not speak to his servant about it. It was an issue between him and his God. And he was willing to lose everything than disobey God. He was willing to walk out of that mountain, leaving the sun up burnt, dead, than disobey the Lord God Almighty who called him. And Abraham recognized that everything that he was and everything he will ever be, it is because of this God who said to him that leave your country, leave your family, and leave your father's household. And you go to a land that I will show you. He ties up the boy with tears in his eyes. He lifts a knife so he can bring it down. God did not stop Abram when he tied the boy. God did not stop Abram when he pulled out the knife. God did not stop Abram when he lifted the knife up. But God only stopped Abram 
at that point when God knew beyond reasonable doubt that this man is going to kill this boy. And the Lord called out from heaven and said, Abraham, I have seen indeed that you love me. He said, leave the boy. Don't kill the boy. I know that you love me. The Lord said, I know. I know beyond reasonable doubt that you love me. And while Abraham looked from the left, there was a ram. Abraham actually did receive his son from the dead. Because he had given him up to the Lord. Now think about your life. How many times has the Spirit of God led you to give out the only thing you could have so that he can refill your cup? How many times has he led you? Then you reason it out. And he said, let me first speak to my wife. But God knows that this thing you're holding on to, if you release it, it's a secret to your miracle. And you're saying, let me first consult with my wife. Oh, let me first get a replacement. But Abraham did not say, Lord, first give me another son, then I'll release this one. Abraham got up and took the boy to the altar. There was a famine in Israel and a bad drought. And God had told Elijah, his prophet, to go to a brook and he said to him that I will command ravens to bring you fresh bread and the brook to supply you fresh water. But because of the drought, the time came and the brook dried up. And the Lord commanded him and said, get up and go to a town called Zarephath. And he said to him, I have commanded a widow in that city to take care of you. God did not go find some rich man. But God said, go. I have commanded a widow to take care of you. A widow. A widow. So Elijah arrives to the city. And he finds the widow picking up firewood. And she's going to go and make the last meal. She's going to go and make the last meal because she's got the last oil. And she's got the last jar. And she knows that me and my son, because of the famine, because of the drought, this is the last meal. That me and my son, we will go and make this meal and die. But God told Elijah, I have commanded a widow to supply thy need. I have commanded a widow to supply your need. A widow. But Elijah arrives and the situation on the ground is so bad. The woman says, wait a minute. He greets her and says, please go and bring me some water. She says, okay, while she's going to go and bring the water, the man of God says, and please make me a small loaf that I may eat. And the widow turns back to him and says to him, oh my Lord, we have but a little oil and a little flour. Now me and my son, we are going to make this little oil and a little flour. We are going to make one last final meal. Our last supper. Then we are going to eat it. Then we are going to die. There was no option. 
No one could come through for them even if they wanted to because the whole city is under lockdown. But God in heaven knew it. The Lord knew that this is the last meal. God Almighty knew that if I don't send Elijah, this is the last meal. And God knows where you stand. And he knows you could be on the last dollar. You could be on the last shilling. You could be on your last contract, your last month, your last week, your last day. And yet God does not come to give. God comes to take away everything you have. So that he can usher in a new season for you. And Elijah says, not a problem. You have read for me how disastrous things are. I have heard and I have seen. But, first of all, of the little that you have, like you to go back home, make a meal for me. Make me a small meal and bring it here that I may eat. Somebody would have said, this man is the most selfish man. But Elijah was acting in obedience. For the Lord said to him that I've commanded the widow out there. That widow must kill you. But the widow is judging based on circumstances, not on the spirit. And she's saying, wait a minute, this is the last meal. But I want to show you how obedience works. There was one last flour and the last oil. Because Elijah said, that as surely as the Lord lives, the jar of flour and the of oil will not run dry from your house until the Lord sends rain. And the Bible says, the woman went and obeyed the word of God that came from the man of God. And she made a little bread and brought for Elijah. And Elijah ate it and blessed her. God knows where you stand. So stop trying to reason with God. You live a young man. And God sends you a young man. But because of the packaging. And God knows that this man is so wise. He's going to throw a fleece in your face. Then the man takes you to that one room house. And he has told his friends to look at you. Then the moment you walk in. Hmm, then your eyes. The way they roll faster than marbles. And you're rolling, you're rolling, you're saying, me, me, me. And then in the man's, in the room, one room, they're all watching you. He has brought three of them. You don't even know, but one of them is a judge. One of them is a lawyer. One of them, they are all there. They don't stay there. They are responsible men. They work in responsible places. They live in responsible houses. They just rented that one room so that they can trap you. And they leave everything down there. Then for you say, hmm, me, I don't know how to cook, you know. You may even be knowing that your fingers are black because you've been using charcoal stove. Then you refuse. My friend, try. Try. You don't know when it could be your test. If it is booger, you don't know how to cook it. Cook booger and mix it with beans. It's okay. It's called katogo. Mix it. Bring it. You know, you may find this man and it's an intersort like me who are so rigid that they, you know in terms of women kneel, you know that? I know in Western Uganda women do what? Stand. But you see, even if you're from West Barbara, 
try. Yes. This man is an intercessor. It, it could just be a test. He may not be asking you to kneel every day. It just could be a test. Put pride aside. Get on your knees even if they are long. Try it. Try it. Let him see that you have tried. Let him see my baby has tried. Then get up. Say, oh, I love kneeling. Oh, I love kneeling. I love kneeling. Just only kneeling may be the tick. Only kneeling may be the only thing that gives your marriage. Just you attempting to do it. It may be the only thing that unlocks the heart of the man. Before you know it, he's saying, bye, bye, we go, we go, we go. The next time he invites you, you're thinking, oh, he's going to take me again to this Vruga place. Oh my God, Ndabi. Then this man doesn't pick you in a border and he comes and picks you in a, in a beautiful car of the one of your dream. An ML. You are a dream car. He sits you there. You think God doesn't know you? God knows you too well that he programs the man to have the things you want. That's how God loves you. Then you've been dreaming of an ML. The man brings the ML. Then because you remember the other picture, you are in unbelief. You're saying, mm, mm, I think he borrowed it. Then you think he's going to take you to that kafunda there. In Chiai. No. The man takes you to his home. And you see a home you have always dreamt about. The one you drew in the book. Then your knees begin to shake. Obedience. Now you are there. You are single. You are proud. You are difficult. You are bad mannered. That combination doesn't make well for a woman who's going to get married. Then the men. You are broke. You are even stingy. You are very, very arrogant. And you want to marry whose daughter? Whose? And you are born again. Then you say, oh, for me, I've been sitting and typing for my wife. She will not come. But may you be able to obey that small, still voice. That small, still voice. That small, still voice. That small, still voice. That small, still voice of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you. I'd like you to go home and ponder this message. Next week, I've only touched obedience a little bit. Maybe next week God will allow me to finish it. Because I only touched a little bit, just scratched it. Can you try and remember which areas have you disobeyed God? Go and make it right. Let's put together an offering quickly, please, so that we can leave this place. If there's a person in this place and you brought a point of contact and the Holy Spirit told you to carry it and you carried it in faith, bring it here quickly. Don't bring it if you're not that person. Bring it if you're that person and you came knowing, I must take my point of contact. Bring it quickly. 
Let's put our offering together, please. And please, if the Holy Spirit is leading you to tithe, do it. I know that some of you, God has told you categorically that there's something that he wants you to do with this ministry. And you have been saying, well, I'm still praying about it. Keep praying. Keep praying. And wait and see whether God will come and answer you. If God has spoken to you and has given you a specific instruction and it is to do with this ministry, after this fellowship, I would like you to come and see me. I'm going to wait for you. Because your miracle, it could be that you're the one that's delaying your miracle. And if you're watching us online and you have felt that same leading of the Holy Spirit, better call me. Call me or you inbox us. And I'll call you personally. Leave your telephone number. I'll call you. Until you learn to obey, the miracles will wait. Until you learn to obey, your healing may wait. <laughs>